You are listening to the Health and Wellness Connection Podcast, the number one wellness podcast designed to provide the latest information to help you achieve your health and wellness goals. Our show features exciting guests, the latest in medical research, and in-depth discussions in current trends on weight loss, nutrition, and fitness. No matter what your interest, the Health and Wellness Podcast has you covered. And now, presenting your illustrious host, Dr. Barry, MD. Hello, 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 guys, and welcome to the Health and Wellness Connection. This is what I feel is a you know one of the top podcasts here discussing health and wellness news that you can get weekly. Now, that being said, I'm your host, Dr. Barry Iru. I'm hopefully going to be here to explain some of the things that I feel were uh, important as far as what occurred during the health and wellness space. And so hopefully we'll bring a show to you that's going to be entertaining and hopefully insightful. And those wondering who I am and, uh, you know, why I think I can do this. Well, I'm a uh, board certified emergency medicine physician. Also have um, almost eight years now in the health and wellness space. So very um, invested and uh, very excited to kind of do some of the research out here and kind of hopefully, you know, shed some light on some of the topics that are in the health and wellness news. Now, that being said, if you guys have any things you want me to discuss on the show, guys, I'm like, uh, you know, here and ready to assist, please send an email, guys. Um, our show uh, uh, folks will check it regularly and let us know if we can participate or maybe answer some questions for you on a future show. Um, the show um, email is Dr. Barry Health. That's D as a dog, R, B as a boy, A R R Y H E A L T H at gmail.com again dr barry health at gmail.com also guys um this show does take a lot of work to put together um if you would like to support um via a cash uh donation we would greatly appreciate that uh city so cash app is available at dr barry health as dollar sign dr b as in boy a r r y h e a l t h all right guys so moving on Let's talk about some of the more interesting topics that have hit the interwebs as of late. And I want to make sure we discuss them on our show. Now, one of the first things that I kind of caught my eye was a recent uh, report that's been going on. And it's showing that there's a very intense debate going on between nutritionists about the labeling system of our food as we know it um, today. Now, we all know that um, food has been a big deal as far as what's in it and what's considered processed food versus what's considered natural whole foods. And it's been a very intense debate between, you know, food manufacturers and uh, the people, the consumers, and grocery stores, because, you know, it's all, you know, really politics at this point. And because of this, the nutritionists, the American Society of Nutrition, um, actually, they are, they had a conference recently where they started discussing some of these labels and how we can potentially improve them so people can hopefully get more useful information from these labels. As you know now, the labels that are currently on foods that you can buy at the grocery store, you know, many of them are just kind of very, you know, generic information, giving you calorie information. They don't really give you true ingredient profile. Uh, we don't know whether or not a lot of these things that are in there are considered safe. And we'll talk about one ingredient that's very prevalent that's shown an additional risk and increased risk of death for those who consume it. So. It's just that we know that food, when it's being manipulated or processed, if you will, that it potentially becomes a little bit unsafe to consume. So 
um, there's been a big issue figuring out what these issues are, labeling these foods properly so people can know what they're eating, and hopefully um, improving the health of the general populace in the process. Now, what they are trying to do now is trying to look at how to divide foods on a general um, kind of classification system, if you will, right? So what they're doing now, as far as what the uh, this uh, organization that is focused on tackling the concept of labeling foods, they are now dividing food labels into either you're a fresh or minimally processed, like strawberries, right? Or like, you know, steel cut oats, you know, fruits and vegetables. Um, that's one group, right? Versus the processed culinary ingredients. So like, let's say olive oil, where you're like pressing olives, get the oil, and now you produce that. So that's minimally processed, but still fairly natural in its form and how it's being delivered to consumers, right? Then you have processed foods like cheeses um, and things like that. And then ultra processed food, foods like, you know, your Pop-Tarts or your, your quick mix, you know, bake items that you get, uh, you know, in the middle of the grocery store aisle, things like that. So there's a big concern now looking at how to classify foods so consumers can have a better idea how to choose foods, right? So if you tell, like me as a clinician, I'll tell a, um, a client, please consider whole foods, minimally processed foods, right? Many people still are not clear as far as what that means. And that can, you know, these labels are, are hopefully going to be designed to help people who may not have all the information, but they still want to make better choices. And uh, sometimes labels can be deceptive. So there needs to be some sort of standard system, right? To classify foods so that people can have an idea of what a food is, you know, without having to rely on the manufacturer to tell them the truth, which is usually not <laughs> a good idea. So either way, these uh, nutritionists are looking at trying to create a system that's safe and that makes sense. However, there's a lot of back and forth as far as whether or not certain foods that are heavily processed, you know, will that automatically make them to be considered unhealthy given the whole anti-processed food wave we're currently in. And that's really the, the crux of it. A lot of foods that are extremely processed but are considered healthy, like these uh, new um, artificial beef uh, um, items like Impossible Burgers and whatnot. Uh, many health nutritionists consider those healthy due to their improved health profile, like low cholesterol compared to their beef counterparts. However, they are heavily processed. Now, personally, you know, I think those things still are not clear as far as how healthy they truly are. But ultimately, you know, they do have some place, in especially in patients who have high cholesterol. Um, but that being said, the process argument is, is a big deal because what we do know, right, is that countries and groups of people who have higher levels of processed and ultra processed food in their diet tend to have higher levels of obesity, diabetes, and tons of various health issues. There's actually a, a, a study that was looked at recently. And this is actually what was discussed as part of the part of this uh, this big meeting, where they looked at you know populations and where they were the people who lived in these populations were getting the majority of their calories, right? So they found that countries like Mexico and France, right, they got about 30% of calories from processed and ultra processed foods, right? However, in Canada and United States, the numbers were much higher. Canada, the average population received 48% of its calories from processed and ultra-processed foods. In the United States, it was 57%. So clearly, you see increased processed food consumption 
in so-called developed nations, even though France will be considered developed. But one thing you'll say about, about France, French people, they do value their food um, source and they really promote um, farm to table and natural fresh uh, foods. And I think that's it's helping them as far as avoiding some of these um, ailments as far as which we see in nations that are having high levels of processed food consumption. So the, it's very clear that processed foods and when it's highly consumed can lead to multiple health issues, including cardiovascular issues, heart attacks, strokes, cancer, obesity, all those things we know that are, you know, very bad for, you know, life expectancy, right? So, you know, it's very important that this processed food, you know, issue is, you know, clearly made, you know, easy accessible to the average individual so they can know what they're consuming, right? Versus consuming highly processed foods, they can opt for more natural foods. One thing that I always tell my clients as far as how to choose foods is that you want to definitely, when you're in the grocery store looking for how to, you know, shop for the week, stick to the outskirts of the grocery store. Now, for my for the folks in different parts of the country, this may not apply to you, but, you know, you want to get to the fresh, natural items. Now, if you're, let's say, in, in Africa or Nigeria, for instance, where I know a lot of people are, are listening, you want to, you know, go to the natural market and get the fruits and vegetables that are, you know, being being delivered there. Now, if you're in a, you know, environment with grocery stores, stick to the outskirts or the, sorry, the edges of the store. That's typically where the fresh fruits and vegetables are stored. And then in the middle of the grocery store, you tend to have those boxed, just add water, you know, <laughs> foods, which typically tend to be highly processed. So moral of the story is guys, decrease your processed food consumption to increase your life expectancy. I mean, it's, it's, so many studies are coming out showing this is the case. And uh, processed foods, while they're not all bad, the problem is that a lot of you know, preservatives and different things are added that the jury's not really out on as far as how safe they are for consumption. So again, um, understanding this concept of processed versus natural whole foods is critical. And that's, I think, one of the biggest components as far as improving your health and wellness. All right, guys, so now speaking of chemicals, there's another study that's showing the dangers of some of these chemicals, these synthetic, these synthetic chemicals that are typically found in many items that we use in everyday um, society. One of the biggest um, things that, were, that was recently identified, not recently, it's been known for a while, but it's getting more and more exposure because you don't tend to see people discuss these things on mainstream media, and that is our exposure to PFAS also known as polyfluoroalkyl substances, right? So these are typically synthetic chemicals used for manufacturing various different items. Um, one of the um, OG chemicals that was used that was part of the chemical revolution that was in the 50s where it was believed that chemistry would solve everyone's problems and we would kind of create all these cool chemicals that make our life easier. And this is one of the things that led to the creation of Teflon, right? Everyone knows about Teflon popular chemical that was discovered, used on pans to get non-stick items. So you can now cook food without any kind of butter or grease. And now you can cook foods and it wouldn't stick to the pan. Who knew that the thing that was actually making the pan non-stick was killing people? <laughs> it's, it's a, it sounds terrible, but the reality is, you know, when you're too smart, you know, for your own good, it potentially have catastrophic um, consequences. And in this case, this Teflon chemical was found to be linked with so many cancers. There were so many increased deaths due to people Apparently, um, because of butter was such a horrible concept, I don't know why that was, you know, so, um, you know, it's, it's, it's skewed back in the day, but 
you know, Teflon was considered to be the way people could cook and clean without any kind of mess. It'll be so easy, but no, that's clearly wasn't worth it in the end of the day. Ultimately, these chemicals, however, became very popular um, and led to the creation of other chemicals. And we have PFAS. So this is one of the chemicals now that's kind of an offshoot of that original Teflon uh, chemical. And I don't want to get too deep into the names. They're very complex and we, we try to keep it simple here on the show. But either way, these PFAS chemicals are known as forever chemicals. Why? Because they stay in your system forever. You, you, it's almost impossible for them to be broken down. And it's believed that because they persist forever, it could potentially be the reason why these things are associated with different, um, you know, cancers and different things because the body's reacting to them in a certain way that, you know, and they're trying to neutralize them. And it's something that's still being figured out. But we know that higher levels of these chemicals in the system is bad. That being said, a new study has been shown that these chemicals, in addition to what we are kind of have an idea as far as the cancer and everything else, there's actually now a link of hypertension. And this is being seen in increased levels in women. Why women, you say? Well, PFAS chemicals are found in many items used by women, including cosmetics. Um, cosmetics, which is a, we know is a multi-billion dollar industry in um, um, in the Americas and probably even globally, so probably trillions, who knows, but tons of women use cosmetics and more men actually these days, especially in this new metro society. <laughs> but that being said, these chemicals are in cosmetics as well as food wrappers and all these non-stick cookwares and still these different non-stick items that are used. And it's believed that these chemicals are increasing the prevalence of high blood pressure in, in women who have found that have high levels of these chemicals in their system. Um, now, there was one study that was done. Again, we know we, we always have to go to the numbers here. It's not just me spouting stuff from my feelings here. Um, we're looking at recent study that was done. All right, so there was this recent study that was done called the Study of Women's Health Across the Nation Multi-Pollutant Study. They actually followed about a thousand women between 1999 and 2017, right? And uh, so they kind of looked at these women, saw what they were doing, followed their activity, and they actually looked at the levels of development of high blood pressure. And they found that those who had higher levels of these, you know, PFAS chemicals in their system had a they had a 42% higher risk of developing hypertension. So it is shown that these chemicals, when they were increased in these patients, also had a significantly elevated risk of high blood pressure. Then um, they adjusted this across races, across ages, across kind of all the different other groups to make sure those weren't playing a factor. And uh, the result was consistent. So you know, these PFAS chemicals are, you know, are, are something that we need to be monitoring. Um, because they're also found heavily in the water system, this is why I'm an advocate. I'm an advocate of, you know, everyone getting those um, filtration systems, you know, installed in your home. Um, they cost anywhere from two to three hundred dollars, um, and that will pretty much you know, eliminate the need of buying bottled water. Um, but those who are you know, still drinking from the tap, you just want to be very careful because a lot of these chemicals are found in the system because. You know, the government doesn't feel that it's needed to be cleaned out of the water system. And that's something that, you know, many people are obviously are upset about. But in the meantime, you can do what you can to help reduce your consumption of these PFAS chemicals by, you know, avoiding excessive use of cosmetics that contain these chemicals, as well as trying to reduce, um, you know, those nonstick items that are very still commonly sold in grocery stores and various cooking um, stores across the globe. So. 
Again, more chemicals in your system usually leads to less life. So uh, we're going to talk about what can improve your life as well, guys. So it's not all doom and gloom. We got more great news. Stay tuned. All right, guys. So uh, another awesome or pretty, um, I think, another study that falls in that duh category, which, you know, which means that something that reinforces something we've discussed extensively on this show and something that hopefully is not a surprise to anyone at this point. But that is if this study essentially just answered the question, if you move it, will you lose it? And uh, the answer is no. And I'm being kind of facetious here, but ultimately it said that prolonged sitting can lead to increased risk of death and other cardiovascular events. So uh, in other words, you know, people who sat in one spot more than eight hours a day, you know, if you were sitting around your house, sitting around your job, not doing much more than eight hours a day of sitting was associated with an increased risk of composite all cause death, right? So in everything that kills the levels increased when you sat more. So it's pretty crazy. Like, um, you know, how, you know, just sitting around more, can literally increase your risk of death. And that just shows that we are made to move. You know, the body is made to move around and do things. That's why you have all these cool abilities. You can, your body can move in space. You know, you have muscles in various parts of your, your, your body that allows you to manipulate yourself in various ways. So why just sit around not using any of that? Like, that's what I don't understand. But I know, um, unfortunately, due to our current culture where people are on their telephones and screens, that it's, you know, very entertaining to sit in one spot and just stare at the screen all day. But you know, it's definitely causing increased levels of death, and that's something that the study did look at. Now, what they did here, this is actually out of British Columbia, um, Vancouver, and what they did was they looked at 100,000 adults, right, over 21 countries, right, for 8 to 12 years. Looked at, you know, those who had increased sedentary lifestyles, meaning they sat a lot more than they, you know, should, and they found that this combination of sitting and physical inactivity. So that means they sat and they did no physical exercise. They just kind of sat around and went to sleep, woke up, sat some more, went back to sleep. They accounted for nearly 90% of all the deaths that were found in that group of 100,000 people. So and this is in multiple countries over many years. So a very, very strong study as far as looking at, you know, the power of the data. And uh, they found that the sitting around and not doing nothing was almost as deadly as smoking, which is about 10%. Those who smoke, they found a 10% increase in death. So this shows another, you know, negative aspect of smoking. But sitting around not doing anything is literally deadly at this point. And this is what the study kind of brought light to. Now, they found that also, um, you know, reducing sedentary time, as well as increasing physical activity, would be an excellent way to help reduce death and mortality just globally so they just promote everyone getting up moving around it's probably going to help people live longer they're just i mean it's a shocking concept right but still i think this is great as far as how big the study was again over hundred thousand people were looked at so it's nothing you can just dismiss there's some other studies we're going to discuss that are a little smaller but still um i think it just shows the power of physical activity and not being in one place sitting around for extended hours so it just it's just uh you know uh, very big, uh, well, not extremely surprising, but still, I think, a great conf confirmation of what we are knowing is very important as far as how we should live our lives, and that is being active. You know, your grandma said, you know, you know, 
move it or lose it, right? And that lose it could literally be your life. So <laughs> those who enjoy life, get up, move around, you know, and enjoy the abilities you have. All right, guys, and on the weight loss front, another great study came out. This was a little smaller than the previous study, but still I think it has some good information that we can discuss. Um, they looked at, again, um, weight loss and how to keep it off. This is what they looked at, patients who, who lost weight and how do they keep it off for a sustained period of time? That's like five plus years, right? Not just someone who lost weight for, you know, two months and then gained it back, you know, after a few months and said, well, I just had to do what I had to do. No, people who lost the weight and kept it off. That's always been the goal. People who lose weight for short-term gain using fad diets and other slick marketing, you know, schemes like, you know, starving themselves and those things don't last. You have to do something that's gonna be sustainable. And so they looked at people who did a sustained weight loss and how did they do it? Well, what they found is that, first off, those who did it tend to keep it off, right? Once you lose weight and keep it off for like, like you know, five plus years, they pretty much stayed off. And some people even lost way more than it was planned because when you have these improved lifestyle modifications, your body will neutralize and will normalize itself and that could be significantly less than it was when you were living foul and you know overeating and not doing anything, not just sitting around. And that can, you know, really turn your body into a different whole different being so but now this study looked at different things that were done first off they did include the use of a weight loss physician right so using a physician or a clinician or someone who's skilled in the weight loss um, um, mantras and various um, plans was very effective because it helped educate the patients and they understood how to make better choices and they actually did a better job long term keeping the weight off right so as you do know, I don't want to give myself a shameless plug here, but you know, we do offer weight loss services here at the Health and Wellness Connection. Please send an email if you have want more information on that. But yes, using a weight loss physician was actually very helpful for those who kept it off. Now, before I go any further, I do want to say that this study was a little smaller than the last one, actually 428 patients. So, and they were studying patients at an academic weight management center. So, you know, maybe the data may be a little skewed because the data came from an academic weight loss center so people who are actually going there were probably already motivated to lose weight so chances are them succeeding is a lot higher you know that's probably why the data here shows such a positive push toward you know using a physician as well as um, which is the next topic or the next part of this study i want to discuss is that they got their counseling on a low glycemic diet and how to exercise and all that stuff but they also were offered additional counseling with a dietitian and they were also given or offered medications. So they looked at those who took the medications, they looked at those who took the um, extra information and, and acted upon it, and they found that those who actually took the medications were actually significantly more successful in losing weight. So they found that those who added anti-obesity medications, now the popular medications, um, you have a few, metformin, phentermine, those are the ones people usually use a lot, Tobamax is a big one as well, so people who were put on medications were actually losing weight, um, you know, in a more aggressive manner when compared to those that did it. Now, again, this is a small study. So, and these medications do have side effects too. So I like medications, but not as much as most docs. I'll try to push no medications personally, but medications can be very effective in helping you get to those results a little quicker. So they found that those who, you know, use the medications for weight loss, in addition to the lifestyle modifications and the regular doctor visits were found to have um, significant weight loss that was sustained. So that's that's very, I think, very um, 
important. They said even a third of the patients had a 15% reduction as opposed to the 10% who, who, who lost just compared to everyone else. Um, those who were more focused on medications were far more, you know, effective in their weight loss. So, um, you know, that's something that, you know, is not surprising. We do know the medications for weight loss can be effective. Um, but I think those who have used, you know, the non-medication strategies, just, you know, working out exercise, and maybe they still find themselves overeating and they still find themselves doing things that are kind of anti-productive. Um, medications may be something they could look into, especially if you're talking about doing surgery. Now, I think if you're considering surgery, I think medications will probably be, I think, a good first step, assuming you work with your doctor or clinician to find something that's safe for you, given your health profile. This is why I advocate everyone who's serious, go and find a weight loss physician. It really help you um, make a good strategy so you can be successful, because I think that's the best thing. When someone says, oh, I've tried to do this, try to do that, nothing works, chances are they probably didn't do it in a way that was actually healthy or safe or something they could, they could consistently do. That's really the key. If you're doing something that's going to last two weeks or you're doing like one week this or, you know, 33 day that, chances of you succeeding in sustained long-term weight loss is very low. You want to do something that's going to help you over the long term because ultimately it is still a process of, you know, trying to reverse some of those damages you've done to yourself both internally and externally. So um, that being said, you know, if you do consider yourself someone who's serious about weight loss, definitely consider um, getting yourself a weight loss physician or a clinician or going to a clinic that is um, specialized in helping patients create plans, create goals, realistic goals that you can meet and achieve. Because this is a, you know, it's a long-term game here. It's not just a two-week thing, a three-week thing. This is really a life thing. So you have to do it so that you're five years later, 10 years later, you're still seeing the gains and you're still improving. So that's what it's about, guys. Um, lifestyle changes. If you want to lose weight, you know, you got to make sustainable changes. And uh, yeah, that is it. So one more story, guys, we want to discuss. And this is kind of an interesting topic and uh, an interesting case as far as the COVID um, epidemic. I know people don't want to hear about COVID anymore. I, I got the message, but I think it's an interesting story only because this was a, a, a regarding a physician who was a, a lady who was actually an anti-COVID advocate. Her name was Simone Gold. Uh, she was part of the America's Frontline Doctors. It was an anti-vaccine group that was out here just going to, from one state to the next, protesting the vaccine. And uh, um, Dr. Gold actually was uh, in, a bit of, in a bit of trouble because she was one of the January 6th uh, protesters. Now, personally, I'm not in the whole, you know, you know January 6th uh, movement, obviously, but, you know, I do think people do have a right to, you know, voice their displeasure with the government if they have an issue. And if those who don't know, January 6th was a big movement of people who stormed the Capitol on that January 6th. I guess they were claimed that they were not there to take over, but they were there to let their voices be heard. But things got a bit violent. Um, a couple people were killed, including a couple of security guards. So um, they're currently now prosecuting people for participating in that event. Um, ultimately, you know, this is something that, you know, is, is definitely something being hotly debated here in the United States. But a lot of people are being, um, you know, called to the court and uh, actually being prosecuted and some are being sent to jail. And Dr. Gold is one of those people. Um, she was there again protesting with her group, America's Frontline Doctors, an organization that was, again, noted for spreading a lot of info regarding COVID-19 and kind of, you know, really anti-COVID-19, especially vaccines. And they were, um, you know, they made a lot of headlines back uh, during the actual Trump administration, going to the White House, you know, making proclamations and so forth. 
ultimately a lot of those people now are getting prosecuted and you know that's the way politics goes you know when trump was there they were kind of allowed to do their thing now that biden is in office it seems like they're going after all these people who were potentially involved and uh, dr gold is one of those groups you know notably she actually went to uh being sentenced to jail for two um for two um for two months and uh, gonna have to pay some money. The reason why I wanted to kind of bring this up because it kind of made me a little concerned regarding how, you know, people with different medical opinions are still being attacked. And even though Dr. Gold is, some people will call a nutcase, and you know, that's not my opinion to judge. However, I do believe she has a right to make her opinion. I mean, Dr. Gold is a MD and a JD, so she's not a fool. And she was someone who didn't agree with the vaccines. Do I agree with her? Probably not. I do think the vaccines are, are very, you know, effective. However, you know, people being forced to take them, I think that may be going too far. Now, ultimately, people should have a right to make their own choices, but it seems like here there's a bit of targeting going on in the sense that she's obviously, you know, not, you know, in line with the current administration. Therefore, I think they're going after her. And, that, you know, that's unfortunate. That's how things go a lot of times in politics. But that being said, uh, you know, there's a lot of, you know, back and forth and drama going on with this case. And, uh, you know, ultimately it just shows that, you know, if, you know, there is something that someone may disagree with that may not fall in line with the official narrative, it could be potentially be a, a, a reason for increased problems and prosecution. So, um, that being said, you know, people do need to kind of talk with their clinicians and see if the vaccine is something you should be taking. I think the vaccine is extremely important and has helped reduce a lot of deaths we've had recently from this COVID pandemic. However, you know, it may not be for everybody and there are some side effects too. I have seen people who've had bad side effects from the, from the vaccine, um, but thankfully those are few and far in between. So I think uh, there's a role for, for all these things to be used and um, we have to make sure that people are working with their clinicians to make the right choices for them, right? All right, guys, so that's the end of the show. Um, this is your host, guys, Dr. Barry. Thanks for tuning in to the information that we presented. Um, any comments, guys, feel free to reach out. We definitely um, love hearing from you guys. Um, if you have any concerns, too, let us know as well. So um, we're going to bring the show to you weekly. YouTube still is on the way, guys. Don't give up um, hope, but we are going to definitely get that to you guys and make sure we do it in the right way. All right, guys, so tune in. Uh, we have more hot sauce for you next week um, right off the presses. From yours truly, this is your host, Dr. Barry. Take care. See you next time. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Health and Wellness Connection podcast and radio show. For more information on ways to get healthy, please check us out. www.anchor.fm forward slash HW Connection. Here you can re-listen to the show, check out older shows, and even further support the show by becoming a subscriber to the podcast. Please check us out today. Again, that's anchor.fm forward slash HW Connection. And also, don't forget to follow Dr. Barry on Instagram at drbarrymd. Until next time, stay healthy.